Facing a crisis in your life or business? Take the helm and steer yourself in the right direction. It's time to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Good day, everyone. And uh, we're on episode number 41 of Taking the Helm. We've got Amanda Eby today. And oh my goodness, we just have a lot to discuss. Uh, Amanda is sharing from her heart from the very, very first time. In her own words, growth doesn't happen in the confines of comfort, even if that comfort is misery. Amanda is 44 years old. And in February of this year, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. In the midst of a global pandemic and everything she endured in her treatment, she says she is thriving in 2020. It has been her absolute best year. Thank you for joining us, Amanda. Thank you, Lynn, for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to be speaking with you today. Well, let's go back. Um, let's go back to uh, a couple of years ago or a couple of years before your diagnosis, Amanda. You know, we're, I'm curious. I'm sure our listeners are curious. You were diagnosed with stage four. What was happening a couple of years before you actually went in to figure out what was going on? Well, I was busy and I was actually too busy to um, deal with what I knew was going on in my body. Um, we had embarked on a new endeavor. We were, we had moved in 2016 and 2016 is actually when the first inkling of anything being wrong um, showed up. Uh, but there was nothing that I could possibly have gone to a doctor with. Um, and, and life just continued. I did not have time to be sick. I didn't have time to deal with anything. And to be perfectly honest, I just had my head buried in the sand. And as the years went by, um, it was becoming more and more apparent that there was something that was going on in my body. I knew full well it was cancer. I just had that inkling, um, but I kept putting it off. And then in 2018, it started to become a little bit more apparent that I was going to have to deal with this, but I still didn't have time. 2019, um, there was actual, I could feel growth. It was going towards my armpit, um, but it was Thanksgiving, then it was Christmas, then it was January of 2020 and the world was on fire Australia was burning there was this pandemic coming and we didn't know what was happening but I knew that I needed to get this looked after and yet I still didn't and then one day my doctor's office phoned and I thought yeah great and it was about my son I thought I answered the phone and uh, the doctor's office um, the receptionist, her name is Valerie, and I've known her since I was a child. And she said, hi, Amanda, we haven't had you in for a pap smear for a lot of years. I think it's time that you come in. And I thought, okay. <laughs> and I agreed, but I didn't say anything. Um, and I thought, all right, I haven't taken responsibility. So the universe is saying, hey, Amanda, let's get you in and let's do it in a way that isn't scary. Um, so I went, um, and uh, I sat on that bed that day in February, and 
the nurse said, okay, we'll get you in and out of here really fast. It was before nine o'clock in the morning and she says, all right, you're done. And I sat up and I was going to walk out. Oh my goodness. Yep. And I took a breath and I thought, okay, this is where you need to take control. And I looked at her and I didn't go anywhere. And she looked back at me and she went, do you have a lump? And I burst into tears and that's um, how this all began. So I showed her and it was very obvious. I mean, it was very obvious visually that I had advanced stage cancer and then it just took off from there. But I was going to walk out that door. You know, there's so many connections here, Amanda. I'm just going to jump in because I think there are some lessons here for, for not just women, but people out there. I did the same thing with my brain tumor. I had symptoms two years before and I explained them away. I explained them away. I was too busy. I was doing this. I was doing that, you know, and then look at us. We're both here, right? We both had different experiences. You, you, you took the step that you needed to. So now you're, you're in that doctor's office. You get a diagnosis pretty much um, right then and there. You're up in Brantford, Ontario. We should, we should add. Um, and, and what does that look like? You now know you've got validation, verification of what you were afraid of. How, how did that make you feel in that moment? Were, were you feeling relieved? What? The weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. Oh. As odd as that sounds, the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders because for two years and well, probably two, probably really four years, um, I carried this burden around with me. Sitting in the doctor's office and letting them know that I had something and showing them the weight of the world lifted off of my shoulders that day. And this is something that I had been thinking about. Um, I had given myself pep talks. I had already made peace with the fact that I was going to have to have a mastectomy. I knew that. I talked to my body and it was okay, but I still hadn't taken my body into the doctor. So the day that I did, even though it wasn't me making that appointment, everything changed. I was relieved. I had given over my burdens and then, you know, accepted the fact that I was going to be going through this whole process that scared me. I was afraid of, but I knew I needed to do it. So I felt great relief. So then you move forward through to the proper uh, referral to an oncologist at that point? Yes. So everything happens very rapidly when you get a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, they have certain timelines. So I think I was in there on a Thursday and on Monday I had um, a mammogram and an ultrasound. Um, like they do it fast when, when they can see that there's an issue. Um, so that was the last week of February. Um, so then we're into March and I'm doing the mammograms, the ultrasound, CAT scans and MRI. Um, blood work. Uh, there was also a biopsy. And then I went and met the oncologist. Oh, and in, in amongst all of this, to add insult to injury or to prevent me from running away, I had slid on some ice and had hurt my leg so bad that I couldn't walk. I was actually walking with uh, a cane. So I think the universe uh, was just making sure that I wasn't going to run away, that I was where I needed to be. 
Wow. So. You know the cliche, and it is a cliche, but it's so real. Your life literally stops. I mean, think about that. <laughs> you just mentioned a whole slew of tests, and you, literally, you put your life aside, and this is what you're doing now, right? Yeah. Oh, goodness. And with a, cr with a crutch or crutches. With a crutch. And, and I mean, I was walking down the hallway in the hospital with my mom, and this is before everything shut down, but it is just before everything shut down. So you're so freely able to go into the hospital. Um, people are able to go in with you still at this point. Um, and I was walking with my cane and an, an older gentleman, he was probably 90, I don't know, he passed me with his cane and I swear he was joyful that he passed me. I mean, there's these little wee things along the way that I can look back with humor um, and that's what kept me going. So this may, I mean, that's a fun story, mm -hmm. but it was a terrible time. I was going into these appointments crying because I didn't know what I was in for. And every time I did something, I recognized that I was still okay. I was still okay. But these are the things that I was afraid of in the four years prior to me even going to the doctor and now I'm living it. And on top of that, yeah, the world is shutting down while I'm trying to maneuver my way through a cancer diagnosis and all the tests and the things that that means. Um, March was very stressful, but I just kind of, I went along with it. It wasn't easy. I cried. Um, it was, it was hard. Um, and we met the oncologist. Um, I don't know what the date was. It was the second last week in March and I started chemo on March 23rd. So it which was a Monday. So the Wednesday prior to that, we met the oncologist and he said, okay, you've got this diagnosis. We're going to start you on chemo. How about Monday? <sighs> I didn't want to do it. That's a very quick turnaround, two days, Friday to Monday. And at that point, Amanda, did you know it, was, it had metastasized? No. Okay. Not quite. Um, they were doing tests. <sighs> They had checked my liver because there were spots on it, but they were benign. That was fine. But something had shown up in the CT scan with my bones. So what I was waiting for, and, and it was April, um, I did a bone scan because they figured it had metastasized into my spine. And then the bone scan just kind of confirmed that. But at that point, I'd already started chemo. Um, and it really wasn't a surprise to me. Just... I knew I had stage four cancer. I knew going into the doctor that I had stage four cancer. That was in my head. I knew that. Um, so it wasn't a surprise. So every time the doctor would talk to me about my test results, he's like, you just don't seem surprised. And I kept trying to explain to him, I knew all of this. I just knew. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to face it. So I didn't present the same way that you know, maybe someone else who's going into the doctor finds out that diagnosis, you know, and maybe they're going to be upset or whatever the case may be. I had, I, I was resigned to the fact that this is what I had to do. So I wasn't, I didn't want to do some of the things, but I knew that I had to. It was, it was a difficult time. <laughs> a difficult time, I would say that's an understatement, Amanda. Yes, but now it's December and I would need a telescope to look back in time this year to see where I was because I am so not that person and and there's a lot of aspects of the journey that I've gone through that 
I know that I did this and that it's something that I went through, but I, I barely recognized the person I was when I started, but she's, I mean, she's in there somewhere, but it's just this growth that has taken place through all of these months um, that has gotten me to this point in time when I'm sitting here talking to you, uh, stepping out of my comfort zone and uh, broadcasting my story to the world. It's a little bit frightening to me. Well, it's not frightening. That's, that's not the right word. But growth, like I said, does not happen in comfort. So um, here we are. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that somebody listening to me, listening to a story that I am telling that happened to me, I'm still sitting here. Look at me. I feel amazing. I've had the best year of my life. I've had the most growth in the shortest period of time. And I'm grateful for that. As odd as that sounds, what I've gone through, I am so grateful for it. If I had gone two years ago, I don't think I would have had the same outcome because I wasn't in the right headspace or, you know, it just wasn't the right time. I am a big believer of timing and things happening in the right moment. Um, and so here we are. That's a very interesting perspective. I'm going to ask you a difficult question and feel free to pass on it. Um, because I think it's important for people to think about this. What do you think if you, you knew you had cancer, what do you think was stop? Was it the fear? What was stopping you from going in to get the, the actual diagnosis? What held you back? I don't think I felt worthy. I, I know that that sounds weird, but to me, it was like, there are people out there who have worse um, situations, I guess. You know, there, someone once challenged me. Um, my grandfather had died and I went to work that morning and somebody said, why are you here? I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Like, like, um, like I said, my, like my grandma's upset. Like there's all these things that are going on, but she's got her kids there and everybody's helping her. And, and I just don't feel like it's my place to be there. And, and I was working at a woman's shelter and it was a counselor that I was speaking to. And he said, so do you think that there's a hierarchy of grief? And I thought, huh, you know what? I've, I've done that throughout my life. Like there's people who are more important than me. They, they need the space, they need the help, they need whatever. I can just, I'll, I'll just keep everything inside. I mean, it's a coping mechanism. I've gone through stuff in my life, um, but this is a coping mechanism. I can deal with it. I don't have to put anyone else out. How ridiculous is that? That's what a doctor is there for. That's what a cancer clinic is there for. It's to help you. But in my head, I wasn't worthy of that help. So that's why I said two years ago, had I gone, I would not be in the same position that I am now because I wasn't the same person that I am now. I didn't have that strength. I didn't believe in myself. I believe in myself now. Um, I am so not that person. And you better believe I advocate for everybody. You are so worth it. Each and every one of us, we're here for a reason. Our story is here for somebody else to hear. It is to help somebody else along. It is to inspire. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've gone through. You have something that somebody else needs to hear. Beautifully said.
Beautifully said. Beautifully articulated. I'm going to just give you a virtual hug right through. Da -da -da. Thank you. <laughs> well, Amanda, let's share because you just, I think on Thursday, had some fantastic news and you need to tell the world. <laughs> when, okay, so I finished treatment. I finished chemotherapy um, in, in June. Uh, I had a mastectomy in July. It's, it's funny what happens because you kind of forget things. It was summer. And then they monitor you. So you d I uh, have to have bone scans and CT scans. So they're just monitoring what's going on in your body. Um, so my last scans were the beginning of November. So I had the bone scan the beginning of November. The CT scan was kind of towards the end. And then the doctor was supposed to speak to me last Thursday. But he phoned me actually the day after my CT scan. And I looked at the phone and I could see that it was him calling. And I thought, so I looked at the phone and I'm like, why are they calling me the day after my scan? I answered it and it was the oncologist. Um, and he said, oh, I got your scan results back. Um, no, everything's fine, you know, and, and uh, your bones are healing and the blood work looks good. The tumor markers are going down. He's just talking to me matter of factly and I'm sitting there going, yay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I said, well, that's, absolutely that was my intention and he kind of chuckled and he said well it just means that the treatment that you're on is working okay okay yes you're right no oh, it's much bigger than that isn't it it's much bigger than that yeah it really is so i've always looked at um i guess i've always kind of had in the back of my mind that um you treat the root problem, you don't treat just a symptom. Why do you treat a symptom, right? It's not getting to the root of a problem. So I've, I've embraced this whole thing. And I mean, I have done absolutely everything that you can possibly think of uh, on this journey. I've explored, you know, energy healing and I've, I've eaten different foods, um, anything, anything that I can find that has indicated that you know, there've been success in eradicating breast cancer or whatever. I've embraced it wholeheartedly. And, and it's also your mindset. So I knew that I had cancer and in part of my brain believes, and I might not be very far off on this, that I made it stage four cancer because it's all I could think of for how many years. I, it was all I could think of. It was there, it was there, it was there, it was there. I wasn't talking about it, but that's what I was living. So now I don't think that way. I think after I had my chemo and especially after I had my mastectomy, it was like it was gone. So the surgeon in Brantford does mastectomies on a Thursday. So my mastectomy was on a Thursday. Uh, on Saturday, my husband and I were at the Home Depot loading boards, fence boards into our truck. And my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm loading boards up. And he's looking at me and I said, all right, I had a mastectomy. Like, I didn't even think about it. Oh my goodness. It, well, just, it, sounds, it sounds like you had an amazing support system too. I did. But, but I would like to preface that we had COVID. So the first chemo, as I said, was March 23rd. That was when things were just really shutting down. Um, two weeks prior to that, we were still planning on going on vacation. I should have been sitting on a beach on March 23rd. And I told my doctor that I said, I'm not starting chemo before that. We've got this vacation booked. That didn't happen. Flights were canceled. People were all over the world trying to come home. Fine. 
So Mike was with me that day. Um, the next time I was scheduled to have chemo was, I think, April 5th. Um, that was the day after my 44th birthday. Happy birthday to me. My hair was starting to fall out, but I was okay with it. Um, but we went that morning for chemo and you had to stand outside of the entrance of the hospital. They were screening everybody and they were not going to let Mike in with me. I burst into tears. I got him in. So anyways, he came in, but he had to sit out in the waiting room, but fine. Um, he was there with me uh, because you need that support. And you need that second set of ears because every time you'd go in, the doctor would speak to you before chemo. They would do blood work and, and whatnot. I couldn't retain any information. I didn't know what kind of drugs I was on. I had, I, I had no idea. Like I was just kind of living through a fog. So he was there and thankfully he was there because I'm not sure how it would have gone. I just, I, I just would have been, doing what the doctor said, no idea. Mike was going to the pharmacy to get my medications. I had no idea what I was taking. He would just give me the medication before chemo. Here, take this, you're supposed to do this. Okay, great, I did. He, he was a caregiver um, in many ways. He was your caregiver. Yeah, he was, mm -hmm. he really was. And that wasn't a position that he'd ever been in. So it was interesting to have the tables turned like that. I was always the caregiver. And all of a sudden that role had been taken away from me and it was hard to kind of let go, but I did. I embraced that as well. Um, as you're kind of navigating through, but uh, yeah, it, it was hard, but it was also okay because COVID and being shut down allowed me the time and the space that I needed to just be with myself to not have to do anything, to not have to worry about what anyone else is doing, to not have to have people come and hover over me because that isn't what I, I, I don't like that. So if anything, this was such good timing for everything to happen for me and my personality. So I was just able to go within and just deal with everything that was going on and I didn't have to worry about what anyone else was thinking about me. I didn't have anybody going, oh, poor Amanda, how are you doing? You know, what can I get you? Nope, I was just able to just deal with what I was dealing with on my own and it was great. It really was. Well, you've just given us so much to think about. <laughs> uh, certainly different perspectives that are very rare, Amanda. You know, you don't hear a lot of people saying in the midst of a, a, a pandemic and in the midst of chemo and treatments and a mastectomy that it's been the best year of your life. Your perspective is amazing. It's inspiring. And I know it's going to affect other people in a very positive way. So thank you. You're welcome. So Amanda, with everything that you've experienced and your amazing mindset, what guiding words do you have for people who are listening or watching today? First of all, if you think that there is anything wrong, do not wait. Don't do me. I'm not advocating for that at all. Um, at all. Because I've gotten to this point where hmm, probably my diagnosis would have been a little better had I gone a couple years ago. Had I gone four years ago when I first felt that there was something off, there was absolutely nothing that the doctor would have seen. He, 
he, we've talked about this. The doctor said, you know, you don't tick any of the boxes. So we wouldn't have investigated. Fair enough. But by 2018, 100%, there was something there that they could have investigated. And I should have gone to the doctor. But again, I wasn't putting myself first. I don't advocate for that. I don't advocate for you to go through something traumatic in order to change. You can do that. You can do that right now. It just takes a decision. Yeah, so please, please, if you have anything that you think is not right, please go get it checked out. Please don't do what I did. Um, this is part of my own journey, and they were decisions that I made, and I made them consciously. Um, but I don't advocate anyone doing that, but I do advocate for you to make your own decisions, um, get checked out if you have anything that seems a little bit off, please do check it out. Um, but once you've done that, honestly, you're in good hands. Um, I, I have never felt so um, taken care of. Um, and it wasn't scary. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. You look at the internet and it talks about how frightening and that um, cancer is cut, burn, and poison. Well, yeah, that is fair, but it also is prolonging people's lives and it's not that scary. And then there's all kinds of other things that you can do in addition to the Western medicine um, that I know that some people are just a little bit mistrustful of, but you don't have to be. And if it's going to be something that prolongs your life, saves you, please just do it. Just do it and don't wait for a life-threatening diagnosis to make the change oh. you can make today. Absolutely. Do not wait. Um, but in the meantime, live your best life. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. That's my advice to people. Um, be kind to yourself. You're okay and you're exactly where you need to be. No matter what is going on in your life, you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you get to choose whether or not you pivot and you accelerate some growth or if you stay miserable um, I mean, no life gets changed without a decision. And I think for me, my life changed when I decided to get out of my own way. That was it. And I was tired of living the, the way that I was. Well, there's a good closing statement. Let's get out of our own way. <laughs> get out of your own way. And it's not that scary. It really is. Amanda, I thank you for uh, coming out with honesty today and sharing from your heart. And I know people will want to reach out to you. How can they do so? Uh, you can probably the best way is just on my Facebook page. It's Amanda Eby. Um, that's the simplest. Um, or they can email me. Uh, and that has actually happened. So my Facebook friends, um, I've been putting posts out there, uh, just kind of documenting my journey. And they're, and they're not it's more so to motivate people or just to talk about my journey, but in, I, I've slid in some motivation um, in the posts, but I've had through that people um, asking me questions, um, going to the doctor, that has happened. Um, how did you know? Um, or just somebody who just wants to talk because they don't know who else to turn to. And, and, and for me, that is, that's what I wanted out of this is just to open up a conversation and to know that it's, it, you're safe. 
Um, if you're struggling, please just talk to somebody and it doesn't matter what you're struggling with. I've been there. I've done it all. Honestly, I've, I've done it all. Yes, I have cancer, but I've done everything. Um, uh, yeah. And, and it's a totally a safe space. No judgment. Just, I just love people and I just want you to love yourself. And I think that's what I'm hoping to get from this. So if you want to email me, it's ajevy33 at yahoo.com um, or Amanda E B on Facebook. Oh, thank you so much. And we will put that contact information in the notes uh, below the podcast, whether it's on video, you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on any podcast app. Thank you again, Amanda. And uh, great closing today. Perfect segue from this interview. Have a safe and healthy day, everyone. Thanks for listening. To learn more from people who are steering in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com and search the archives of every interview or subscribe to this podcast feed. A new episode is published every Wednesday.